If you have a Bible tonight, turn with me uh, to Judges chapter 9. Can you believe that? We're only going to do one chapter. Judges chapter 9. Abimelech, king of Shechem, and his downfall. And as we study the scriptures tonight, the problem that Abimelech had was his pride. And it just always seems that when the pride issue comes in, that's what takes you down. If you go back to Isaiah chapter 14, and we see the five eye wills of Lucifer, and what brought Lucifer down was his pride. When you look at the book of Daniel, and you see King Nebuchadnezzar, and he looks uh, into the beautiful Babylon uh, that he created. But he wanted all the glory. And he says, look what I've made. And so he fell after that. Pride will knock you down. And so we look at Abimelech, the king of Shechem. That's exactly what's going to take place now. It's been a couple of weeks since we've uh, been in the book of Judges. So go back up with me and look at Judges chapter 8, verses 29 through 35 real quick. Uh, the death of Gideon. And so uh, Abimelech is not a judge, but he's a king of Shechem. And so in verse 29, then Jerubbabel, remember that that is Gideon's name, the son of Joash, uh, went and he dwelt in his own house. Gideon had 70 sons who were uh, his own offspring, for he had many wives. Now Gideon's a good man. He was a good judge. Yet as all good men and as all men, uh, they're going to have flaws. They're going to have failures. Sin is going to enter the camp. And that's exactly what took place uh, with Gideon. How did he come about 70 sons? He had concubines and he had multiple wives. And we see the same problem with King David. We see the same problem with uh, King Solomon. And so it's nothing new under the sun. Look at verse 31. And his concubine who was... Uh, in Shechem, uh, also bore him a son whose name he called Abimelech. In the Hebrew, Abimelech means my father is king. Yet this king you're going to see is evil. Now Gideon, the son of Joash, died at a, at a good old age and was buried in the tomb of Joash, his father, in Ophrah of the Abizarites. So it was as soon as Gideon was dead that the children of Israel again played the harlot with the Baal's worship and made Baal Barath their god. Uh, Baal Barath or Barith is the Phoenician god, and uh, it, it was a god of fertility. It was a Canaanite god also, and, and the word Baal Barath means covenant with Baal, and God who uh, comes into a covenant with his people. But obviously it's a small g. And so look at verse 34. Thus the children of Israel did not remember the Lord, their God, who had delivered them from the hands of all their enemies on every side. This has been uh, the sin of the children of Israel, and it's going to continue. For so many years they serve the Lord and they do good, and then they backslide again, and they go back to their evil ways. They always seem to be going back to the idol worship. That was their downfall. The conclusion of our last teaching in verse 35, 
nor did they show kindness to the house of Jerubbabel, which is Gideon, in the accordance with the good uh, he had done for Israel. And so now we're going to see evil, and we're going to see treachery, and we're going to see that uh, Abimelech was only, he only reigned king uh, for three years. But he had this attitude, and he thought he was superior. And that's when we get in trouble, and I'm talking to the men especially, but also the women. We get to that place and we think, we're somebody, I've become somebody. Look what I've built. That's exactly what Nebuchadnezzar said. Look what I've done. And yet, where is God in this? And so, let's get into this. In Judges chapter 9, Abimelech's conspiracy. Abimelech is the king. He's going to be the king of Shechem. In verse 1, then Abimelech, the son of Jerubbabel, uh, went uh, to Shechem uh, to his mother's brothers, and he spoke. He spoke with them with all the family of the house of his mother's father. And he said to them, uh, please speak in the hearing of all the men of Shechem, which is better for you that all the 70 sons of Jerubbabel, Jerubbabel reign over you, or that one reign over you. Remember that I am your offspring also. I'm your own flesh. I'm your own bone. And his mother's brothers spoke all these words concerning him in the hearing of all the men of Shechem. And their hearts were inclined to follow Abimelech, for they said, he is our brother. Notice that he sets them up. He knows exactly what to say. He knows the words that they need to hear. And then the other guys are thinking, well, you know, I don't want to be in charge. And so, yeah, let Abimelech take the, take the reins. But he has a whole total uh, different perspective. It's interesting how when these guys come into office, they already have a plan, and that's Abimelech. In verse 4, it says, So they gave him a 70 shekels of silver from the temple of baal Bereth, with which Abimelech hired worthless and reckless men, and they followed him. He made this covenant. He made this covenant uh, of fertility with this Baal Bereth, and he takes the money from there, and he hires these worthless men. His plan is in motion. Look at verse 5. Then he went to his father's house at Ophrah, and he killed his brothers. Listen to this man. The 70 sons of Jerubbabel, and Jerubbabel on one stone, but Jotham, the youngest son of Jerubbabel, was left because he hid himself. Jotham, in, in the Hebrew, his name means Jehovah is perfect. And you're going to see this young man. We don't know how old he is, but he takes charge. And he goes up to the mountain. We're going to read it. He goes up to Mount Gerizim, and he calls judgment on Abimelech. We're going to see that in verse 7. And so God always has a plan. Interesting to me that Abimelech killed all the brothers. But Jotham was the last one. And so he kept him. Was he trying to show mercy? This is why, as we've been studying the Old Testament, sometimes we look at it, and God said, go in and destroy everybody. Utterly destroy. 
men, women, children, and the animal life. And especially the men. They had to be destroyed because they're going to come back and, and they're going to become insurrectionists towards you. And yet Abimelech leaves Jotham. And so in verse 6, and the men of Shechem gathered together all of Beth Milo or Milo, and they went and they made Abimelech king beside the Tiberneth tree at the pillar that was in Shechem. And so these were Shechemites. And they, they took Abimelech in. And Abimelech becomes this king now. Where's the nation of Israel? Where's the judge? We won't see a judge until next week. Again, Abimelech has a plan. And who's gearing the plan? But, but the enemy, Satan, Lucifer himself. He's always conjuring up things. And when somebody listens to his false lies and, and accusations and such, and you follow suit. Yeah, I can be the king. I'll be in charge. Now, Gotham is an interesting character. Here, in the beginning of verse 7, the parable of the, of the trees. And basically, this parable is going to work from verse 7 to verse 15. And a parable is laying a story side by side. But he's actually given a prophecy. Watch this as we get into it. Or is he given a curse? Either way, judgment is going to come. And how old is Jotham? We're not told. But he goes up into the mountain. He is not afraid of Abimelech. But he knows if he captures him, he'll kill him. And so he goes up to this mountain range, and we'll get to it in just a minute. In verse 7, now, when, when they told Jotham, he went and he stood on top of Mount Gerizim, and he lifted up his voice, and he cried out, and he said to them, Listen to me, you men of Shechem, uh, that God may listen to you. Now, let me give you that background again on Mount Gerizim and Mount Ebal. Very important. Uh, you see these two mountain ranges. And right below the two mountain ranges is the Shechem Valley. And so I want you to see this. Uh, back in Deuteronomy chapter 27, uh, they would go up to Mount Ebal, and, and they would pronounce the curses on Israel if they were in disobedience. And then another group of priests would go up uh, to Deuteronomy, uh, in chapter 28, we read that they go up to Mount Gerizim, and there they would call out the blessings. I mean, it's cut and dry. If you're obeying God, you're doing God's will, he's going to bless you. The concept is still the same today. I mean, if you're doing wrong, if you're going against God's laws, if you're, you know, uh, doing what you want to do, and total disobedience, then why should God bless you? And so the curses will come. And so here is in the Shechem Valley, he goes up to Mount Gerizim. This is the son now, Jotham, and he's going to call out Shechem. Excuse me, Abimelech. He's going to call out Abimelech. Now, it's kind of difficult for us to understand. And I had the opportunity in one of our trips uh, to Israel, we went right past the Shechem Valley. We were driving right through it, and we could see Mount Ebal, we could see Mount Gerizim. And I said, man, 
they get up there and they shout. The acoustics are incredible. Now, we did not stop, but I'm listening to Pastor Chuck, and there were times that they stopped, and it takes about 20 minutes to climb that hill, and they can go up there, and the people would be down at the, at the valley, and you can hear them when they speak. The acoustics were made in such a way. The same way when Jesus fed the 4,000, he fed the 5,000, and, you know, he ministered to them. And so I want you to think of that now. And verse 8, and here's the parable as it begins. Uh, the people of Shechem are these trees. The trees once went forth to anoint the king over them. And they said to the olive tree, reign over us. Now, Israel is looking for a king? I don't think so. I, I think that it's Abimelech that just wants to be a king. They've already had judges. And yet, here's Abimelech wanting to be the king. And he says, and they said to the olive tree. Now, the olive tree is always the nation of Israel. But the olive tree said to them, should I cease giving my oil with which they honor God and man and go to sway other trees? The oil was used for so many things. Olive oil is so important to the nation of Israel, even today. And so I want you to think of the temple. Well, it was portable. And so, you know, they had the tabernacle. And the priests would have to use the oil for the lamps. The priests would have to use the oil for the anointing. And then you would have to use the oil for your lamps at home. And so it was something that was needed. That's why it says, should I cease giving my oil with which they honor God and man and to go sway over the trees? Olive oil was considered, the olive trees were considered a staple in Israel. We're going to speak about the fig tree. And the fig tree was another a staple in Israel. And when you go to Israel, it's there. Everything's there still today. And, and so Israel used the oil for food, used it for oil for the tabernacle and such, offerings, and then for the lamps, the lighting. But notice in verse 10, then the tree said to the fig tree. Now, the fig tree is also a type of Gideon. You came and you reigned over us. And so Gideon, this allegory here, you came and reigned over us. And he was a good judge. But I have to remind you, his problem was women. And so notice in verse 11, but the fig tree said to them, should I cease my sweetness and my good fruit and go to sway over the tree? Should I go and patronize, in a sense, the Shechemites? They're the trees. And he says in verse 12, then the tree said to the, to the vine, these are the grapes now, another staple in Israel. You come and you reign over us. All the trees said to the vine, this is Israel. You rule over us. Does Israel want a king? That's what uh, Abimelech is trying to make it look like. But this is Jotham now. This is the last son. He's speaking up. And I want you to think. He's hearing this. And there's nothing they can do. Even if they sent men to go gather him. And they probably did. Because at the end you're going to see he's going to flee. 
And so he made a move that was good. He went up there. He knew it would take at least 15, 20 minutes to come and get him. And by that time, he would have said his message. And so it's perfect when you begin to think about it. In verse 13, but the vine said to them, should I seize my new wine uh, with which cheers both God and man and go to sway over the trees? The drink offerings that were offered at the tabernacle, and these were the wine offerings that were given. Israel wanted to continue to serve God and to serve man uh, through her fruit. And that's one of the beauties that you see today when you go to Israel. Uh, she has plenty. God has blessed. You know, that's what it tells us in Ezekiel, that the desert would blossom, and it has. It's incredible when you begin to see this. But remember, this is a parable. It's a storyline. And Jotham is bringing this forth so clear. In verse 14, and then it says, And to all the trees said to the bramble, You come and you reign over us? Now, <laughs> my commentary said this, and I, I have to agree. Uh, the bramble is Abimelech. Now, a bramble, the best way to understand this for us is uh, a tumbleweed. The brambles were, were nothing. They were very frail, but they were plentiful. And they would use them for kindling. They would use them to start the fire. And so here's Abimelech. That's exactly what he's doing, starting fires when you think of that. And then he goes on here in verse 15. And the bramble said to the trees, If in truth you anoint me, as king over you, then come and take shelter uh, in my shade. But if not, let fire come out of the bramble and devour the cedars of Lebanon. Jotham is prophesying. He's given us a parable, but I see a lot of prophecy that's going to come forth because judgment would come upon uh, Abimelech. Now, it's interesting <laughs> that he says, uh, then come and take shelter in my shade. Now, we live in the desert. And if you've been out in the desert and you're needing some shelter, you're needing some shade, I think the tumbleweed would be the last thing. I really do. And, you know, how much shade are you going to get? But listen to this man's knowledge, uh, his wisdom. It's, it's of the flesh. All he's thinking about is himself. Now, the bramble, Abimelech, and the cedar trees were considered very strong wood. And it was there in Lebanon. And so, come to me. Now, verses 16 through 21. This, I believe, is the interpretation of the parable. And so it's going to come to pass. Now, therefore, and always remember this, when you see the word if, it's conditional. If, now watch this. Now, therefore, uh, if you have acted in truth of, and sincerity in making Abimelech king, and if you have dealt well uh, with Jeroboam, uh, this is Gideon, remember, and his house, and have done to him as he deserves. For my father fought for you. This is Jotham now. He fought for you. He risked his life for you. 
and he delivered you out of the hand of the Midianites. Did they forget so quick? And that's almost the natural thing of man. We're so easy to forget God's blessing. We're so easy to forget what God did for me uh, six months ago, six weeks ago, six days ago. We can't even remember the blessings that we had from last year. But we're always trying to, okay, what can I have this time? What can I do now? And that's just the nature of man. Honestly, I think we all struggle. When do we say enough is enough? When do we say, I'm satisfied? Thank you, Lord. I'm complete, Lord. But it seems like we exercise Matthew chapter 7, verse 7, and we keep asking, seeking, and knocking. And we're like that uh, parable that we read on Sunday, uh, the persistent man. He wasn't going to quit till he got his loaves of bread. And so is there anything wrong with that? No. But there's a time and a place. That's why when I pray, and I hope and Pray that that's the way you pray. We pray the, the Lord's will. Lord, I know what I want. But what is it that you want for me? What is it that you want to give to me? And so here's Abimelech now. But you have to appreciate Jotham. He, he doesn't pull any punches. Are you guys so quick to forget what my father did? God used him mightily. And so quick, they, they want the glory. Look at verse 18 now. But you have risen up against my father's house this day and killed his 70 sons in one stone and made Abimelech, the son of his female servant, king over the men of Shechem because he is your brother. Allowing the Shechemites to be in charge, to have this king, it was wrong. And yet God allowed it. There's a, there's a plan here. God always has a plan. And, and, you know, and I see it and I say, Lord, why? When those things happen in my life, maybe not as drastic, or they happen in your life, we respond, Lord, why? Why is this happening? Everything has a purpose. Everything has a, a reason. And that's why I must bask. Listen. In his will. In his will. That doesn't mean we don't pray. That doesn't mean that if, if I get sick, I, I well, I'm not going to go to the hospital. I'm not going to go to the doctor. If it's God's will, well, I think we have to pursue these things. You have to go find out what is it that God has for me. The bottom line is Gideon should have never had a concubine. She was a Shechemite. And this is where Abimelech came from. It'll always come back to bite you. Listen to verse 19. If when you have acted in truth and sincerity with Jerubal, Gideon again, and with his house this day, then rejoice in Abimelech and let him also rejoice in you. If you did nothing wrong, that's what Jotham is saying here. If you rightfully killed my brothers, then rejoice. I mean, he is setting the thorn in the flesh on them. I mean, they have to know down deep inside what they did was wrong. 
Don't raise your hand and I'm with you. I know when I do something wrong, the Holy Spirit tells you right away. And so do you. Do we listen to the voice of God? Do we listen to what he has to say? If you did nothing wrong, go ahead and rejoice. He already killed his brothers. But if not, look at verse 20. And here's a prophecy because it's going to come to pass. But if not, let fire come from Abimelech and devour the men of Shechem and Beth Milo. And let fire come from the men of Shechem and from Beth Milo and devour Abimelech. I mean, Jotham, the last son, is calling out a judgment. He's given a prophecy. I believe that the Spirit of God is leading and guiding this young man. And I want you to see, this is where I know he had a time span. In verse 21, what does he do? But he hightails it out of there. Because they're possibly already going up uh, to Mount Gerizim. They want to kill him. And Jotham ran away and he fled. And he went to Beer. It's called the place of the well. We don't know exactly where it's at. And he dwelt there for fear of Abimelech, his brother. Listen to the sad commentary that you would fear your brother. Now, I have one brother, and I love him. He loves me. You know, we're far apart, and we don't see each other that often. And so, you know, how could we ever get a, a come against each other? But I've seen it. Some of you have seen it. Some of you have possibly experienced it. You know, and some, maybe somebody else is saying, uh, or Jotham, he could have easily said, well, I'm glad they're dead. They're his brothers. He loves them. And so I want you to see Abimelech here. He has a plan. Now, another thing about Mount Gerizim, it takes you about 20 minutes, like I said, to climb it. And then you're up there. It's a plateau. And so once he got to the top, he was able to run. And he was able to hide, and they never found him. And so he ends up in this place called the well. And now in verse 22, all of this and his downfall, the downfall of Abimelech. After Abimelech had reigned over Israel, listen, three years, three years. It seems that God allows these people uh, to do what they're going to do. And he killed 70 uh, sons of, of Gideon. Radical statement when you think, think about that. After Abimelech had reigned over Israel for three years, a short span, God sent a spirit of ill, well, between, will that is, between Abimelech and the men of Shechem. And the men of Shechem dwelt, uh, dealt treacherously with Abimelech. I love the Old Testament. In these areas that we learn, when God's people fail, God's going to bring judgment. God's going to bring judgment. Abimelech thinks he's, he's made a plan here. It's going to begin to backfire against him. God placed a, a spirit of ill will between Abimelech and the men of Shechem. You remember King Saul? God put an evil spirit on him. 
And he wants to kill David. These are things in Scripture I don't totally understand. But God has a plan. He knew King Saul's heart. He knew Abimelech's heart. God will use the things against us that we count as rejoicing. Oh, look what I've got now. Hmm. A spirit of ill will, will be between you and Abimelech and the men. Look at verse 24. That the crime done to the 70 sons of Jerubal might be settled and their blood be laid on Abimelech, their brother, who killed them and on the men of Shechem who aided him in the killing of his brothers. When God brings judgment, he means business. It's the same thing that's going on in our world today. We think as a world that we're getting away with what we're doing. We think in our United States that we're getting away with what we're doing. We're taking God out of the equation. And we're coming more and more against God and against God's people. Look at abortion. Has it stopped? No, it continues to increase. And now, going totally against God's uh, scriptures, same-sex marriage. And the day could easily come, and somebody comes to these doors, and they want me to marry them, and I say no, then we're going to find out what's going to happen. You all heard of the guy up in Seattle, and uh, he had a bakery, and um, he refused to make a cake for a homosexual couple that wanted to get married. He said no. Oh, they ran him through the fire. Ran him through the fire. And that's exactly the way it is because you're standing for God. And God appreciates it, and God knows it. Abimelech is not for God. Abimelech is for himself. God meant business. I want you to write this down. We'll share it at the end. In Galatians chapter 6, whatever a man sows, that she, he shall also reap. The principle of sowing and reaping is in the Old Testament and the New Testament. So many times we think we're getting away with it. Abimelech thinking, I'm getting away with it. King Saul thought, I'm getting away with it. Saul of Tarsus, when we get to Acts chapter 9, God does a work in this man. And I'm sure he thought, I'm getting away with it. I'm doing this in the name of the law. Notice verse 25. And the men of Shechem set men in ambush against him. These are the, the people he's supposed to be reigning over. The men of Shechem set men in ambush against him on the top of the mountains. And they robbed all who passed by them along that way. And it was told to Abimelech. Somebody went and told him. Interesting. We're always hearing about, you know, uh, the snitches, and we're always hearing about uh, people that are undermining uh, double agents. And uh, It's nothing new. It's always happened. Uh, you want to pay me a little more figs than this guy? I'll turn them in. And that's the logic. That's what happens. Look at verse 26 now. Now, Gaal, uh, the son of Ebed, 
it came with his brothers, and he went over to Shechem, and the men of Shechem uh, put their confidence in him. Now, this guy has another agenda also. I want you to see his name. Sometimes I like the Hebrew name. Gael, in the Hebrew, means rejection. So you can already see this man's line is set up. He would be defeated. In verse 27, and so they went out into the fields, listen, and they gathered grapes uh, from their vineyards, and, and they trod them, and they made merry, and they went into the house of their God, small d, and they ate and drank, and they cursed Abimelech. What are they doing? They gathered in some kind of harvest. Was it harvest time? We're not sure, but they gathered some of the fruit. And quickly they made some wine. And so now the liquor's involved. Watch this. Then Gael, the son of Ebed, Ebed said, Who is Abimelech? Now I got to tell you, the wine is talking here. And who is Shechem that we should serve him? If he is he the, not the son of Jerubal, which is Gideon, and is not Zubal, He's the governor at this time. His officer served the men of Hamar, uh, father of Shechem, and they should, we serve him. But why should we serve him? Now, the true Shechemites came from Hamar and, and the father of Shechem, okay? And again, we go back to verse 29. The word if comes into the picture. If only this people were under my authority. He's boasting. Just like Abimelech, then I would remove Abimelech. And so he said to Abimelech, increase your army and come out. You want to fight me? You better prepare yourself. You need more armies than you have right now. And so he's just boasting. Remember, they've already making, made their wine and such, so they think they're in control. They think they're in charge. And, uh, you know, everybody says, well, if I smoke a little dope, I think a lot better. No, you don't. If I have a, a few glasses of wine, I can really, you know, no, you can't. It's a proven text. They do the test constantly. And <laughs> oh, I only had one. Well, I've been behind them. You've been behind them. The ones that had one, they can't control it. Increase your army. Come out and fight with me. He's boasting. Does he want the power? Does he want the spirit? position is again one of my commentaries is the wine speaking then in verse 30 when Zubal the ruler of the city heard the words of Gael the son of Ebed his anger was aroused rightfully so how dare this guy challenge me and come against me in verse 31 and he sent messengers to Abimelech secretly saying take note Gael, the son of Ebed, and his brothers have come to Shechem, and here they are, fortifying the city against you. And so they're setting the plot. Now, therefore, get up by night, you and the people who are with you, and lie in wait in the field. They're getting ready to set up the ambush. In verse 33, and it shall be as soon as the sun is up in the morning that you shall rise early and rush upon the city. And when he had the people who are with him come out against you, you may then 
do them, do to them as you find opportunity. So Abimelech and all the people who were with him rose by the night, and they lay in wait against Shechem uh, in four companies. Remember, he's prepared, so he knows exactly what he's doing. In verse 35, when Gael, the son of Ebed, went and stood in the entrance of the city gate, Abimelech and the people who were with him rose from lying in wait, and when Gael saw the people, he said to Zubul, look, people are coming down uh, from the tops of the mountains. Look at this traitor now. And Zubul said to him, you see the shadows of the mountains as they were men. <laughs> You're blinded. You don't really see men coming. He saw them, but he doesn't want to take heed. He's holding them back. And so verse 37, so Gael spoke again, and he said, see, People are coming down from the center of the land, and another company is coming from the diviner, and it says the Tebernet tree. He says, I can't see them. He was lying, obviously. And so in verse 38, then Zubal said to him, where indeed is your mouth now? Look at the sarcasm here. You were acting the fool earlier, Where's your mouth now? With which you said, Who is Abimelech that we should serve him? Are not these the people whom you despise? Go out, if you will, and fight with them now. And so, obviously, he's been found out. And again, everything's working, and yet God is not finished with Abimelech. In verse 39, so Gael went out, leading the men of Shechem, and he fought with Abimelech. Even though I don't understand, even though you don't understand, Lord, why would you even let Abimelech in charge? Why would you allow him to be given the position of a king? Because God wants to see the heart of man. And so God has a plan. Sometimes we see defeat. And think that's it. God is not for me. He is not with me. How many times have you thought this one? God has surely abandoned me. And what is the promise of God? I will never leave you nor forsake you. But because you're right in the middle of, of that extreme trial. And it's just gotten a hold of you. And you think of poor Job. Look at his trial. And sometimes you hear of people that have been in a trial for quite a few years, not just months. And yet God has a purpose. God has a plan. Look at verse 40. And Abimelech chased him, and he fled from him. And many fell wounded to the very entrance of the gate. He's not boasting anymore, this man Gael. Then Abimelech dwelt in Arumah, and Zubal drove out Gael and his brothers, and so they would not dwell in Shechem. The victory. The victory. In verse 42. And it came about on the next day that the people went out into the field and they told Abimelech. They told Abimelech. So he took his people, divided them into three companies, and lay in wait in the field. And he looked 
and there were the people coming out of the city, and he rose against them, and he attacked them. Then Abimelech and the company that was with him rushed forward and stood at the entrance of the gate of the city, and the other two companies rushed upon all who were in the fields and killed them. Now at this point, Abimelech has to be very confident. The victory is mine. I've taken it. And so sometimes we can think of that, and yet we have to be careful because the enemy is always lurking. Verse 45 says, So Abimelech fought against the city all that day, and he took the city, and he killed the people who were in it, and he demolished the city, and he sowed it with salt. Now, when I read that years ago, it kind of floored me. What does that have to do? Salt has always been considered a great commodity. I mean, there's a time and a place when salt was even used to pay wages. But to show complete victory, it was very customary for some of the nations to do this. Show domination, show power, also to all the cities that would never be able to come back uh, to that place and start it up again because salt kills the soil. Now, we don't know how big the city was, but there was plenty of salt. And they made mounds out of it. And again, think about the value here. Now it's no more. In verse 46, now when all the men of the tower of Shechem had heard this, they entered the stronghold of the temple of the god Bereth, and it was told Abimelech that all the men of the tower of Shechem were gathered together. Now, what's this thinking? I have them trapped their mind. Obviously, they had a fortified tower, and it was used for lookout but it was also big enough to have the people to be up there. Now, who was up there and how many were up there, we don't know. Then Abimelech, verse 48, went up to Mount Zolmon, he and all the people who were with him, and Abimelech took an axe in his hand, and he cut down a bow or branches from the tree, and he took it and laid it on his shoulder, and then he said to the people who were with him, what you have seen me do, Make haste and do as I have done. Uh, they want to burn down uh, this particular tower. In verse 49, so each of the people likewise cut down his own bow or branches and followed Abimelech, put them against the stronghold, and, and set uh, the stronghold on fire above them so that all the people of the tower of Shechem, listen to this, died about 1,000 men and women. And so again, this victory, he can sense it. I've, I've taken it. I've, it's mine. In verse 50, then Abimelech went to Hebez. He wasn't satisfied. He wasn't complete. Now we're told that Hebez uh, is about six to ten miles away. It was part of Shechem. And he's thinking that they worked with them. And he encamped against Hebez. And he took it. And there was a strong tower again in the city, and all the men and the women 
and all the people of the city fled there and shut themselves in. And then they went up onto the top of the tower. So Abimelech came as far as the tower, and he fought against it, and he drew near the door of the tower to burn it with fire. Remember, that's what Jotham would say. The fire would come back to bite him. In verse 53, but a certain woman, ladies, remember the one that put the stake through the, the temple? This is probably one of her relatives. But a certain woman dropped an upper millstone on Abimelech's head and crushed his skull. Now, let me give you a little bit of background. You see them in Israel, obviously, uh, the millstones. Millstones could weigh anywhere between two to to 400 pounds. But then there was also small apparatuses and such. But notice that it says here, uh, it says a certain woman dropped an upper uh, millstone. Now we don't know how heavy it was, but it had to have been heavy enough uh, to crush his skull. And so I don't think this woman would have been able to pick up a 200 pound millstone. Maybe she could. Uh, but a 400 millstone would have been pretty difficult. So it's a portion of it. And, uh, you know, they used the millstones for various things. They had smaller ones and such. You know, the portable ones, if you may. But it's still a stone. Hits him on the head. Now, obviously, he's a military man. He's got a, he has some kind of helmet. He has some kind of protection. But she laid him open. Watch this now. Ladies, be proud. <laughs> Don't mess with a woman and you're on top. You're sitting on the tower. Or it's your, you're down below. She's on the tower. In verse 54, then he called quickly uh, to the young man, his armor bearer. And he said to him, draw your sword and kill me. This is Abimelech. Lest men say of me, a woman killed me. That's all he was concerned of. Again, his pride is just showing. So his young man, uh, the armor bearer, thrust him through, and he died. Pride, listen, pride, even up to the end. He was still alive, but most likely he had a head wound, and he knew he wasn't going to make it. And as a soldier, he wanted to die, as they say, with the boots on. And so please take this sword and run it through me. He didn't want to be disgraced. Listen, I'm sorry, ladies, but he didn't want to be disgraced that a woman killed him. They would run with that story. They would probably make a song of Abimelech. And the woman knocked him down with a stone. Verse 55, and when the men of Israel saw that Abimelech was dead, they departed every man to his place. Thus God, listen to this, in verse 56, repaid the wickedness of Abimelech, which he had done to his father by killing 70 brothers. 70 brothers. I need to say this. How can you defeat God? You can't. God will always win in the end. And man is constantly... I'm always intrigued when I study the book of Revelation and men are going to be shaking their fists at God because of the judgments that are going to come. They're going to go hide in the dens 
because of the judgments that will come. How can you hide from the judgments of God? And again, go back up to uh, Mount Gerizim, the blessings, uh, or the curses in Mount Gerizim, and, and Mount Ebal are the blessings. And all we have to do is be in obedience. In verse 57, the conclusion, and all the evil of the men of Shechem, uh, God returned on their own heads, and then came the curse of Jotham, the son of Jerubbabel, or Jerubbabel. This is Gideon's son, is Jotham, the last son. He gave this prophecy. I want you to turn to Galatians as we come to the conclusion. Go to Galatians chapter 6. We're all familiar with Galatians chapter 6. But Jotham's words of prophecy, parable, story laid down side by side to bring forth the truth. And Jotham's prophecy came to pass. In Galatians chapter 6, New King James, verses 7 through 10, the principle of sowing and reaping. Uh, verse 7 says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of his flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Just because my neighbor down the street, in our eyes, he's getting blessed. In our eyes, he's prosperous. In our eyes, you know, he has the car, he has the truck, he has the boat. And in our eyes, you go, whoa, does he know God? Does he have a relationship with his Lord? How is he earning that money? If he's earning it upright, then you can't judge him. Either way, you can't judge him. Let God take care of that. Let, and let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, verse 10, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are the household of faith. Who are the household of faith. Now, stay with me. I always like to read the New Living Translation. And so Galatians 6, look at verse 7. Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own uh, sinful nature will harvest decay and death from the sinful nature. But those who live uh, to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. If you're doing what God's called you to do, he's going to bless you. In verse 9, so let, let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing. And, and if we don't give up. Remember what we shared on Sunday? We keep pressing. We keep asking. We keep seeking. We keep knocking. We read about in the time of the gold rush in the 1800s in, in Southern California, uh, some of the people stopped. And they were literally a foot away from the vein. But they had wasted so much time, in their opinion. 
and, and they spent so much money, again, and, and they're a penny. And they just kept digging and digging, and finally they said, that's enough. Then somebody else comes in, he digs one foot. Oh, look at this. Thank you, Jesus. Let's come to the conclusion. Look at verse 10. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially uh, to those in the family of faith. The principle of sowing and reaping, Old Testament, New Testament. Abimelech, he sowed in the flesh, he's going to reap corruption. The other men that were there, they did the same. You cannot defeat God. You will not win over God. He will triumph every time. The hardest part for us is that it seems like we get away with murder for the longest time. And I'm sitting there, come on, Jesus, get him. And one of those millstones, a half a millstone. But God has a timing. God has a timing that we don't understand. Have you prayed for that person? Have you prayed for that situation? Maybe God's working in their hearts. And the only Bible they have is you. The only witness, the only testimony they have is you. Do they see Christ? Do they see murmuring and complaining? Let's all stand. We'll end with a word of prayer. Father, as we looked at Judges chapter 9, we see a man by the name of Abimelech. And Lord, he was evil, and his treachery was up his sleeve, and he wanted to be in charge, but he knew he had to get rid of Gideon's sons, and he did. Why he gave Jotham a break, a leeway, was he that young? But we know that God intervened. And then you spoke to Jotham, and he, he spoke a parable. It was actually a judgment upon the Shechemites and upon Abimelech. And so, Father, help us to understand when pride can so easily set in. The Proverbs tell us that uh, pride comes before destruction. And so, Father, remove that pride. We don't need that pride. We need to follow you, Lord. We need to lean upon you and not upon our own understanding. Lord, bless your people as they've come tonight. And Lord, we look forward to uh, the things that are coming, the San, San Carlos Reservation, the outreach. Lord, the Christmas uh, dinner that we do every year. Uh, Lord, the candlelight service. Lord, everything is ready. Uh, we're waiting upon you, Lord. And so, Father, go before us in Jesus' Precious name, we pray. Amen.